Sarah Skinner, Oilman Magazine. Outstanding, and thank you for joining us here today. And you guys, of course, Oilman Magazine. We're going to get a little bit of a preview of uh, what is available in the newsstands today, what some of the hottest issues are in the oil and gas industry. And maybe if there's time, we can maybe get a thematic preview of the next issue that's uh, coming up. I just got a, a de- deadline reminder, so I know that you guys are working on your next issue uh, that yes. comes out, I believe, in about a month and a half, I suppose, February time, or January, I imagine, January, February, something like that. Anyway, I'll let you explain all that before I just speculate and pontificate wrong things. So how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for joining us here. So let's talk a little bit about Oil Man Magazine. Uh, what are some of the features, some of the articles that people can uh, find this month? Um, this month, our feature is on continuing education and um, just educating the oil and gas workforce. Um, one thing I've noticed in interviewing different companies over the last few months for other articles is that there's a, a definite skills gap. And um, it's a growing concern from, you know, the baby boomers retiring and, you know, uh, younger people coming in with the degrees and everything, but they don't have the on the job knowledge that the baby boomers are leaving with. And so um, I decided to go ahead and do an article on that and explore it and see what they were trying to do to fix the problem. And they definitely have some solutions. And I was very surprised by everything that I found. What were some of the solutions? Because that's an issue we've been talking about on this program for several years now, how, oh, anywhere from 70% of the industry is going to be retiring in the next five years. And there's a little bit of a vetting process going on where, for one, they want to make sure that the upcoming generations that are going to be taking over the industry have a respect and a knowledge of where what built the industry. And the other one is just the flat out training that the jobs have changed so much, whether it's artificial intelligence, whether it's the um, uh, remote sensors and, or the engineering side of things. It's just that the, you know, slinging chains and the, in the job descriptions change so much. Um, we've been following it from that two prong approach, I guess. What, what did your uh, article uncover in terms of some of those different uh, uh, points and elements? Well, one of the main changes is um, the Internet of Things. You know, um, everything, software can do so much these days. And um, it's a matter of, you know, the older generation starting to learn some of the software. They're a little reluctant, you know, for the most part. But um, also the software can help, you know, it can help teach the younger generation, you know, some of the things that they need to know as well. One of my, uh, one of the things I learned was with this company called EKT Interactive. And um, I was fascinated by the way their approach to the oil and gas education. And theirs is to basically teach the way that people live or, you know, let them learn around the way they live. So they do like a micro learning, which is, um, you know, podcasts and, and, you know, different little, uh, eBooks and videos and audios. And so, um, a lot of them are in 15 minute increments and that's great. You know, when you're busy and you just, you want to know about something specific, you can just hop on and 
and see what you need to know. And they have different packages that you can buy. And um, it was a really cool thing, I thought, because I'm I their focus is on people who um, maybe they're not, you know, they're oil and gas support. Let's call them that. Like, for instance, I would normally write specs and procedures and I'm not actually in the oil field myself, but I still need a working knowledge of what's happening and I need to know my subject matter. And so that's where a company like them would come in and then you can purchase these little packages and you can learn about all these different things in your own time, which I think is really important. Um, and they, they have, they also have a, um, they have a challenge because they need to keep people, you know, focused and they need to keep people coming back because if you're in a classroom and you're learning about something, you're much more reluctant to walk out. Whereas if you're, you know, learning about something on a podcast or an ebook, you can just click right out of it. So, um, but their approach I thought was really, really neat. Yeah, it's interesting. It's certainly thinking outside the box a little bit in terms of trying to reach some people with some different avenues. And definitely it sounds like they're tackling the 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 new aged attention span, if you will. Um, yes. Trying to accommodate to that a little bit. And uh, anything else that um, was either in the issue or on this particular topic, which would be workforce development, workforce training, uh, that sort of thing. Um, anything else that... Uh, kind of stuck, stood out to you? Yes. Um, I, I actually attended a, um, a training by a company called Technical Toolboxes in Houston. When I was re- doing my research for the article, um, they just happened to have a training session in Houston, and I asked them if I could sit in on it. And um, what I found when I went in there was exactly what I was talking about in my article, and it was just fascinating. It was um, a man, an instructor by the name of Joe Pikus, and he had um, had 30-plus years of experience, and it was um, a corrosion class. And so uh, he's teaching the class to probably 15 to, if I had to guess, 30 to 40-year-olds, you know, and um, they were fascinated. They could ask this man any question, and he, I mean, he could answer it with ease, and he, he kept their attention, and it was fascinating because he was a subject matter expert, and all, all everybody else who didn't have that, you know, they wanted his knowledge, and it was, he kept everybody engaged, and they went through their, they have a software called um, R-String, and it's, an incredible thing that they have and it was just really interesting to see the concept of you know him passing along this wealth of knowledge that he has and and people eager to learn it did anything come up with the different education parts you mentioned the training part um this is this might be going a bit too far but one of the reoccurring themes that has been coming on this program is the two-year versus the four-year degree. And I hate to say versus, but we're comparing them. And um, by comparison, what we're, we're, we've been saying has been our body of work over the past probably five years is that there's been a emergence of the two-year degree, the trade, whether it be welding or artificial intelligence or uh, pipeline, that sort of thing, electrical work, that sort of thing. There's been 
because of this oil and gas renaissance and the infrastructure renaissance that's going on, those uh, degrees and those trades are needed so well, whereas a business degree just doesn't seem to get you like it did before. And, and there's so many more people that have four-year degrees. The competition's a lot bigger and you got debt and you know maybe you're getting a job for 30 to 50 grand a year out of school versus a two-year trade degree and you got a fifty to $100,000 a year job waiting for you when you're done. And a lot of times the company will pay for your to your trade degree too. So um, those are just some you know rapid fire examples of that two year and the four year um, degrees. Did you guys get that far as far as just maybe off the record talk or anything in the magazine on the you know kind of that two or four year training or education versus you know just kind of a a nine month or a six month course or something like that. No, we actually, we haven't gotten that far yet, but I will tell you that when I was in that training in Houston, I noticed that there are, there were, um, you know, workers like trade workers from, you know, the field who were, who were talking about, you know, physically doing the work and wanting to know about it. And there were also, you know, what I would consider the people with the four-year degrees and, you know, the big business degrees. And you could, see them with their, you know, their backpacks embroidered with their schools and, you know, all that. But um, they had both sides because I think it's important for, you know, the two-year trade degreeers and the four-year degreeers to know both sides of this because that's the only way they're going to understand it. All right. So next issue is coming up. As I mentioned earlier, I got an email from the uh, publisher saying the deadline is coming up. And so that, of course, tells me, hey, we're getting close to another issue coming out. Of course, you can access the current one on the website, oilmanmagazine.com. But uh, talk to me about what uh, you guys have coming up in the next issue. Okay. The next issue, we're going to focus on the Davis Refinery in North Dakota. And it is... um, (laughs) pretty exciting. I've been listening to your, uh, your podcasts about it, but, um, yes, we're going to focus on that. And, um, from what I understand and you can, you know, fill in too, it's from the ground up, which I think is really exciting because we kind of want to take it through the whole process from, you know, breaking ground to the end game. And, um, I think that's, going to be a really fascinating topic uh, to explore and you could probably elaborate a little bit more than I can because I haven't um, haven't done my interview just yet. Oh, I, I think it's an exciting topic. I mean, we do a weekly feature just because um, I, I really believe it's going to be read about in history classes. You know, the really? Oh, yeah. I mean, the we as humans right now have been more conscious about the environment than ever whether you're for it or against it whether you believe it whether you don't believe it it doesn't matter it's everywhere i mean you can't you can't pick up a a newspaper or a magazine or turn on the news or radio or um, the internet and without at least a, a some sort of environmental story in some way coming through in a very short period of time anything from you know improving our 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 furnaces to, you know, some extreme environmentalism things. So uh, we, we're very much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sensitive, I guess, to that whole thing. So from that aspect, you know, um, what the Davis refinery is doing is, is quite legendary because they're going to set 
the new standard for environmental refineries. Now, part of it is because they're the first greenfield refinery in 50 years, and technology has changed so much in 50 years that anything right. they put out is going to set the standard. But because of that, you know, I call it the religion of environmentalism, uh, because the, there's such a sensitivity to the environment right now, they've been held to a higher standard. I mean, they've been, they've been having to prove themselves in the court of law um, through attorneys and, and through the, the regulators for over a year now. And after about a year and a half, uh, everything that they pretty much said was the case, they, they were validated on. So, I mean, that, that, that's where we're at, where uh, that's how important I think it is that they're going to be setting the standard that other refineries across the world will be implementing this technology into their um, refineries. So, I truly believe it'll be read about in history classes from one, the environmental side. And secondly, just this shale boom movement that's going on. I mean, you know, you got the Iron Age and you got the Stone Age. And I think this will be the shale age when when history books are written in 50 years. I mean, what's going on is historic, is absolutely historic. I mean, communities are being changed because of the oil and gas industry right now. The only really industry, Well, the only industry to gain jobs in the last 10 years is the, is the mining industry, which is oil and gas and, you know, coal and, and, and a few others. But really, oil and gas has, has been driving the ship on this. And when you look at that, you know, this new age entrepreneur um, movement hasn't gained jobs. Technology has not gained jobs. Um, all of these, these things that agriculture, all these things that have come out of the woodwork, that is the new hottest things. After the course of five, 10 years, the net gain is not there. It's a net loss. And the only industry in the last 10 years to gain jobs is the oil and gas industry. So it's, it is, it's truly historic. So that's, anyways, it's a very long-winded answer on why I believe the Davis Refinery will be in history books. <laughs> no, it's, it sounds truly fascinating. All Everything I've heard and the research I've done so far, um, I, I'm really excited about it. So um, I, I'm doing my... It's, um, it's really cool. I mean, sorry to interrupt, but I mean, I've interviewed um, uh, Dan Hedrickson from Short Elliot, um, SEH, Short uh, Elliot Hendrickson, um, from the, they're one of the uh, engineering companies. Another one, Edward Martinez, the CEO of Zia Engineering, they're also on the project. And it's just interesting when you talk to them because just some of the things they say makes a lot of sense, and you didn't realize that was the case. For example, just figuring out a more efficient way to do the piping in terms of the bends and the valves is like 70% of, of the leakage of, of, of things being not environmentally friendly. Things like that that you've never thought of, you know, the air ducts and all these different things that just improving the engineering behind that can, can eliminate so much of the whatever the carbon or the methane or whatever leaks i don't even know we i've i kind of blacked that out but um my point is is just something as simple as valves and angles of pipes can make that much of a difference you know that that mm -hmm. seems it seems like you'd need like better filters or something i don't know yes <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool that you got the davis refinery that you guys are going to be um kind of going into anything else coming up in the next issue 
Um, not that I know of. I do the I do the feature okay. and I do the editing. So <laughs> um, past the feature, I don't know what's coming up until I um, get it to go to edit. So <laughs> well, in, in the business, we say you know, well, you know, well to be continued, or you know, you'll just have to pick it up and find it out. You got to put a little tease in there, right? You know, yes, yes, okay, thing, we'll, so. put, we'll put a little tease. But I I do know that we are um, technology focused. And okay. um, we we really are trying because that's changing the industry. I mean, r- so much. <laughs> so we're yeah. we're focusing a lot on that um, here recently because it's relevant. Well, our, our second story back in 2012, we when we started doing our big features, um, our first story was that um, the sho- shovels and picks, the gold, the modern day gold boom, you know that sort of thing that. The oil, yeah, the oil companies are making money, but the guys selling the shovels and picks are the real guys making money, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then the second one was uh, was that the uh, sh- this is not a oil boom. It's a technology boom. And that's really what's going on here is it's a technology movement that's allowing this oil boom to happen. And so if we didn't have the technology behind this, there would be no oil boom. So it's... um. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting, you know, and and it's just getting more technical as we go. Like for example, the Bakken, which I know uh, quite a bit about, they're they're finding more ways to be innovative up there because, you know, five years ago, they only understood seven percent of the technology that they could use, and now they're up to like ten, twelve, fifteen in some cases, and they got to wow. do that in order to keep the drilling going because they'll go back in and refrack and that sort of thing. Remember. Up in up in the Bakken, when oil was at thirty dollars, back in the downturn when the you know the world was coming to an end and everybody was mm-hmm. gloom and dooming, North Dakota and the Bakken was still putting out over a million barrels a day, and that's incredible, because that's that's the milestone is a million barrels a day. We want to get to two sometime, but we don't have the pipeline capacity for it. But the one million, even at thirty bucks. They were figuring out ways to be efficient, and they were figuring out. Now, they got down to like seven rigs. It was scary there for a little bit, but they still figured out a way to pump out a million barrels a day. So, wow. um, yeah, I mean, no, nobody was really making any money, but they were still, I mean, some people were at least breaking even. And if you can do that during a downturn, you're, you're doing really well. Um, what do they right. say? You, you uh, break even and lose money during the downtime so you can really make some money during the good times. I don't, I'm, still waiting yes. for the, I'm still waiting for the good times. When are they coming? Anyway. Yes, they're coming back. They're coming back. <laughs> so, okay, how can people find your current uh, uh, articles and websites and uh, magazines? and kind of? I know you guys are available at um, a lot of times at conferences, that sort of thing, and you've actually got a list of the conferences that you guys are partners with on your website too. Yes, yes, we do. Um, we have a list on the website, and it is oilmanmagazine.com, and that will take you there. And you can subscribe. If you subscribe to the magazine, um, you'll get articles that come in on uh, your computer every day. And, you know, obviously you can just go to the website and, and also look them up that way as well. Outstanding. Any final thoughts? No, I appreciate you having me. I thank, thank you so much. And um, I'm really enjoying this. I was a spec writer, and I, I still am a spec and procedure writer, um, which is just technical. And so I've just recently started uh, writing these features, and I'm having a blast doing it. It's so different from what I'm used to. 